Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. I am Farley Betts. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Like, I'm God. I am Farley Betts. I am not God. And we are back. It's week seven in the NFL, and I got a little tiny NBA preview for you as well. It is opening tip-off in the NBA tonight. Exciting, exciting. It's the best time of year. But of course, at the best time of year, I'm also a little sick because that's always what happens, right? My birthday is this weekend, by the way. Happy birthday to me. Thank you very much. Turning 37, old man over here. Halloween is around the corner. We got we got baseball playoffs, hockey's back, NBA's back, the NFL is going, college football. Yeah, it's the best, but it also means I get sick. So hopefully my voice holds up for this show. Thank you all for listening and joining in once again. Every week, I do an NFL ATS breakdown, every single game from a betting perspective. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I don't. This is going to be a solo pod, which is okay with me because we're going to talk a little NBA and then talk a little NFL, and then we'll get you on the road in a nice uh, nice packaged podcast here for your listening pleasure. Uh, Got to say, obviously, We've been pretty good in the NBA. 490 and 375 the past two seasons, 58% in 2001, 56% last year, over 130 units won. I haven't seen anybody win at that rate with that amount of plays over that amount of time. Hit me up directly at Farley Bets across social media if you're interested in my plays. We win and we win a lot, period. And we're very confident heading into this year again, which is a good segue into our conversation about the NBA, the the NBA preview, if you will. All right. I'm not going to say too much because my big thing with the NBA is that I really truly believe in the first few months, especially throughout November, you got to sit and watch. You got to see what these teams are showing you. The NBA can change so much. I mean, I would argue more than any other sport because not only is it controlled, mainly by volatile superstars. But when you have a coach who comes in or maybe a new player, a new addition, and they change the space on the floor, right? They change the the synchronicity, the chemistry of what's happening on the floor. Even your best teams, that can amount to really poor performance. We've seen that from teams like the 76ers before. We've seen that from teams like the Brooklyn Nets before, where even if there's a ton of talent, you're looking at these teams and they just look like a bunch of disparate parts, right? Like, hi, I'm Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Kyrie Irving. Like, That doesn't mean you're going to succeed and win games. I don't care how good you are, right? The reason why a lot of the great teams of the past won a lot, and that includes those Steve, and Steve Kerr-led Warriors, is because of who they're coached by, right? Phil Jackson, right? Lakers, Bulls. Just mentioned Steve Kerr. We just, you know... Hello, how about old Popovich, right? We've had some pretty good coaches in our day and coaches matter in the sense that they can bring, they can elevate a team, a really talented team and bring them to the next level. But on-court and off-court leadership matters too. Does your team have an on-court leader? Do they have somebody to turn to in tough times? It doesn't matter as much at the beginning of the year where really these teams are just trying, you know, they're trying things out. They're working through kinks. It's not always as, as evident early in the year, right? It becomes really evident as the year goes on. January through March have been our most profitable months for that reason. 
because by January, you see what's happening and you can more accurately predict the you know, team chemistry, the team behaviors, what their output's going to be like on a nightly basis and how consistent it's going to be. And most teams are not going to be very consistent, period. But the teams that are, are going to stand out. A team like the Warriors still stands out to me as a team that's probably going to be that way again. I think people are sleeping on the Bucks. The, you know, Chris Middleton's injured to start the year. Great. I hope they. I, I hope the Bucks start off kind of clunky, because then I'll take the Bucks' future, you know, to win the East or win the championship at a much better price. That's fine by me. No one's talking about the Bucks. Kind of like that. No one's talking about the Nets too. For Brooklyn supporters, that's a good thing for you guys. Less pressure, right? You can just kind of settle into who you are. Maybe even Ben Simmons starts adding up to some of the potential that we all know he has. It's a mental game, man. And and the sport of basketball especially. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, any one thing that happens in life is not because of one reason, right? It's like there's myriad reasons for any one thing happening. And I don't know why the NBA entirely, like I don't know all the reasons as to why it's so volatile, but I think it has something to do with like the culture that's kind of created around basketball, right? Lots of money instantly. A lot of these kids are coming off the street and unlike football where you play as a team, you got to take big hits. You're injured all the time, right? You're staring across the field at fucking monsters and the NBA. Most of these guys are just dominating their high schools. Some of them are dominating colleges and they're coming into the NBA and they're getting rich, right? And they got sneaker deals. They got all kinds of deals going on. So it's easy to challenge these kids, especially when they're young, like these old wily vets, like a Draymond Green, right? You step on the court and you think you're cool. Like you think you're just going to take over the game. Unless you're Kobe Bryant and you got that dog in you from the very start, probably not going to happen. Right. So you just have a lot of inflated egos. Right. A lot of a lot of these guys are just a okay with the success that they have getting to the NBA. Who needs more success? Eh, who cares? Watch out for that kind of thing. Right. Watch out for the Anthony Davis effect. Uh, some games I feel like playing some games. I, I really I'm kind of scared to play like that's just how some of these guys are. And again. I'm not trying to dog them like mentally, okay? Mentally, as a sports better, I'm not saying it compares to being an NBA star, but like when I lose, it sucks. Like last night, had those had an early total in the Broncos, and um, I gotta see this is my now. Now I'm gonna leave this on the podcast because this is an example of how huge the brain farts are, okay? Like, so much information, so much to do every fucking day. And sometimes you just lose. The information just flies right out of your head, right? They face the chargers, obviously. But I couldn't I couldn't produce that. I couldn't produce that on the scene. That's crazy. Anyway, Broncos Chargers had an early under in that game. Didn't hit. I'm sitting on my couch at night, and I'm thinking about my premium customers who probably tailed me on that, lost more money. It sucks. It's mentally draining. You got to be mentally tough. And not everybody is built the same when it comes to that. Not everybody has a good home life. Not everybody's married with kids or 
has a significant other or has family around them or has a good support system around them, right? Maybe Ben Simmons doesn't. Like maybe he has a tough personal life and that's why it's a struggle for him. So I'm not trying to make fun of these guys, but what I'm saying is you can bet on them or against them in these spots. Because someone like Steph Curry, uh, sorry, look at the guy. He's got it all figured out. He has a great family. I guess his parents divorced or something. I don't think that bothers him. But he has a good family. He has, has a great wife. He has the cutest kids, right? He seems to have a good mentality on life. He's grateful. He's not a prick. That translates in the NBA, right? He's, he's a dog, and he's a great teammate. Not everyone's built that way. So you got to look at things like that in the NBA because that's what it's all about. It's not about models. Uh, my, my, my NBA model predicts that. Uh, cool. Like you can do that if you want. Continue, you can do that if you want, and you can keep on winning at 54% and making 20 units a year. And sorry, I'm going to be a cocky motherfucker, but I'll prefer to keep on not doing models and analyzing human behavior in the NBA and winning way more. Sound good? Great. All right, let's talk about some of these teams real quick. I'm going to go rapid fire here, but a few points like I made. Wait on some of your bets. You don't have to bet a lot at the beginning of the NBA season. It is probably a pretty a pretty incorrect marketplace, though. This market is going to be off in the NBA, so take advantage of that when you see it. But don't overexpose yourself. Listen and watch and trust in who these teams are. These teams will show you exactly who they are. Don't question it. It is what it is, right? These players, if they're inconsistent, they're inconsistent. That's how they are, right? If they can't shoot threes, they probably can't shoot threes. If they're not good at defense, they're probably not good at defense. And if they're not gelling, right, like all these teams, there's a lot of exciting teams. The Jonte Murray to the Hawks, Jalen Brunson to the Knicks, right? Kawhi is back on the Clippers. Woo! Gallinaro and Malcolm Brogdon, to the Celtics, exciting. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't mean it's going to gel. Christian Wood to the Mavericks. I actually really like that one. I think that is going to gel. But let's wait and see, right? Christian Wood off a of pick and roll. He's that. He's a more aggressive, physical body there. That's what they needed. They didn't need Kristaps Porzingis for how many seasons? That was insane. He was just. He just. He was a liability for them. Christian Wood is not going to be that. I don't think. But let's wait and see, right? Like tomorrow when a bunch of these teams are playing for the first time, you know, like when Rudy Gobert is playing with the Timberwolves, the Twin Towers, Cat down there, Gobert down there. I don't know how that's going to work. It should work, should work well. It should be dominant, right? Rebounds in the paint. Just like Evan Mobley and Garrett Allen, who uh, – Jared Allen, excuse me. Um that's a team that I'm looking at, right? Chris Lavert over there, Darius Garland, and now Donovan Mitchell. That's a good lineup. The Cavs have a good lineup. Um, that's a really good. That's that's a really nuanced starting five. I like the Cavs, but do we know that's going to work out? No, we don't. And again, a lot of basketball is it's a dance. It's about space. It's about fluidity. And some of these coaches, depending on how good the coach is or how good the encore leadership is, might not figure that out too soon. Okay? So teams that I'm higher on at the gate, I think the Hawks are going to be better. I think Murray is a good fit. Great great with assists, steals, great defender, can mix it up, not selfish. 
I like that. I like Christian Wood to the Mavericks. I just talked about that. I think the Celtics are going to be fine without Ime Yudoka. I think that might make a difference at the end of the season. But they've matured a lot with him. And they have great on-court leadership. Al Horford, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart. They're, they're going to be fine. I do think the 76ers will improve. I do think they're going to be more dangerous. James Harden looks good. Doc Rivers talked to him, made sure he knows and beat is the man. That's good for Harden. Step aside, Harden. You don't have to always be the man and beats the man. Probably good for the 76ers. The Warriors aren't going anywhere. Watch out for the Pelicans, a young team, a great starting five, in my opinion. CJ McCollum, Zion, Brandon Ingram. Watch out for those Bucks. Watch out for those Bucks. I'm telling you. Giannis is still the most dominant player in the NBA. You put together what? LeBron plus uh Rudy Gobert, you know, plus increasingly a really good shooter because that's what Giannis is becoming. He's dominant. And all you need, not all you need, obviously, but when you get to the postseason, you got a great starting five with Giannis. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I think the Heat might regress a little bit this year, but I know a guy, you know a guy, Michael Nerbert, 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 Michael Newbert from the show last week, one of my buddies with Sports Wager University. He loves the Heat. He's a Heat guy, and, 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 and he doesn't see them regressing just like everybody else. So I kind of lean to his direction a little bit because of that. But I could see where they could regress, just pure talent-wise. Some of these teams in the East are getting better. Lakers are going to suck again, I think. I think. Russell Westbrook, that's just, it's a mess. They can, they can try to make it, you know, they can try to be a more defensive-oriented team. Cool. Doesn't matter, I don't think. LeBron James entering his 20th year. He's going to try and score his points to pass Kareem this year. Good for him. Don't like it. I don't like their roster. I don't like how disparate their parts are. Anthony Davis is going to have to have an MVP season for them to have a good year, I think. And what have we seen from Anthony Davis? Not much we can trust. And there's a lot of other teams we're not talking about. We're not going to get into yet. But Memphis is primed to have a big year. Um yeah, I mean, the Clippers, here comes Kawhi. John Wall is there. It's a pretty good fit for John Wall. Doesn't have to be the man there. NBA season coming up, coming at you. It's exciting. We win a lot. All right, let's talk NFL now. NFL week seven, another big lineup. Four teams on a bye. We got 14 games and a lot to talk about. Some injuries to talk about. So far this season, we're doing okay. We're a little bit in the red. Always got to be transparent. I think I've been overexposed a little bit at the start of the year. Not doing great in Circa. We were 21-9 and nine last year in Circa. We're 15-15 and 15 this year. <laughs> Happens. But I do expect us to do a lot myself to do a lot better the second half of the year or the, second, the next two-thirds of the year. Why? Because that's what we did last year, and that's what we always do. Right, we know these teams are a little bit more now. The NFL is a very even, even league right now. The marketplace is, I mean, I can trust the Bills, Chiefs, and the Eagles. I think that's about it. Other teams, I can trust them in spots, but <clears throat> NFL is tough this year, no doubt about it. If you're if you're if you're wildly succeeding in the NFL, good for you. But I might have to question how good you are at handicapping <laughs> because you're you might be betting on on things that just eh questionable but they're still hitting 
You know, I'm, that's all I want to say. You know, I, I, it sounds like I have a lot of Hoobers saying that, like, it's it's the NFL that's wrong, not me. That's not what I'm saying. You know, I could have done better. But we'll improve in the NFL, too, because we always do. All right, let's get to this car. Week seven in the NFL. And let's start with the Saints at the Cardinals Thursday night football. Cardinals are one-point favorites. I'm not sure why. At home, totals at 44 and a half. Sounds like the Saints are going to let Winston get healthy. Jameis Winston get healthy, which I think is smart. No reason to rush him back. He didn't look that great when he did play in his first two games. You know, mistake prone. He would, he would come into this game cold, tough spot, short week. So I would count on Andy Dalton probably starting in the spot. And, you know, it was a good spot for the Cardinals on Sunday at Seattle. I know they were on the road, but – after playing well against the Eagles, against a defense that's allowed everybody to score, the Cardinals put up nine points. Nine? But I'll say this. DeAndre Hopkins is returning for the Cardinals. That's a big boost. It's an, it's an inspirational boost, if nothing else. Obviously, a huge target for Kyler Murray. Saints, on the other hand, played very physical, played very hard against the Bengals in a loss. It's a game they probably could have won. That was our game of the year last week on the Bengals, so happy that that hit. Um, but I don't know. I think both of these offenses kind of match up well against each other, right? Like the Cardinals have been good against the run statistically, but when they faced really good running teams this year, like the Chiefs and the Eagles, those teams had success. I think the Saints can run on the Cardinals. I think they can do a little, uh, you know, a little Alvin Kamara here, a little Taysom Hill there. So, I don't know. Kyler Murray could also get right in this game. Because the Saints still probably are not going to have Marshawn Lattimore here. And we've and we've seen the result of that. I mean, teams can throw on the Saints already. They're not playing great against the pass already. Without their best corner, Marshawn Lattimore, I don't know. So, slight lean to the Cardinals here, gross. And lean to the over here, too. Let's get to the next one. Lions at the Cowboys. Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites at home. Totals 48 and a half. I get why the Cowboys are this much of a favorite. Right. Dak should be back. That's what they're expecting. Coming off a disappointing loss at Philly, where I know I expected them to play better. I, I still think Philly's a little fake news, folks. And I'm probably the only one in the world that thinks that. It ain't because I'm a Giants fan. It's because I know the way this story goes, you know. Um, Nick Sirianni yelling on the way in from the locker room. How about them Eagles? Okay, bro. What are you six? What are you 12? That's not the way a coach should act. Like relax, be humble. You have, uh, Oh, I don't know. 11 games left in your fucking schedule. And the Cowboys aren't going anywhere. Dak is coming back. Giants beep, 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 beep. alert. Giants are five and one Eagles. You're probably going to beat the Giants. But you don't think some of these teams in the NFC are going to improve? Ha! Jalen Hurts has yet to have to play back, you know, to, to, to win a game with his arm yet. Good luck. Eagles are a really good team. I don't think they have the intangibles you need to go all the way. So I can't wait till someone teabags their ass. But anyway, am I a little <laughs> am I am I a little salty after their after their cover on Monday night, yeah, maybe or Sunday night, yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah, maybe a little bit. Anyway, Lions are off a bye, and then embarrassing loss to the Patriots was shut out in that loss. 
So this is a this is a big spot for the Lions to show out here. Dallas is not a real home field advantage, in my opinion. We probably have a lot of Lions fans there. Two weeks to get right for Dan Campbell. And we saw how they fought in week one right after all offseason, all the expectations. I think this game will feel a lot like that game. Maybe the Cowboys dominate early and the Lions creep their way back in. So I have a lean to the Lions in this one. I don't know if there's going to be points, but there probably will be because the Lions need to get right on offense, and they do have an offensive line that can protect golf, allowing only only one sack per game. The Cowboys' defense has been sensational, but they're a little banged up, playing their hearts out. So maybe we do see some some points in this one. 48.5 seems right, though. Giants and Jaguars. Jaguars are three-point favorites at home. And you say to yourself, Chris, surely you're going to bet on the Giants here, right? What are you talking about? The Giants keep on getting underrated. Hey! Yeah, well, the Giants are also being outgained every week. I mean, they're still winning. They're a fourth-quarter team, no doubt. They're, you know... Brian Dayball is buttoning this team up and motivating them in the fourth quarter, and that's how you win a lot of these games, as long as you stay in it. Credit to the Giants. I think they are I think they are a team that other teams better take seriously, but it's a much better spot for Jacksonville at home after two straight losses. There's no look ahead for them. They stay at home next week. I think they have the Broncos. Um, now, Wendell Robinson did look good for the Giants last week. It showed some burst. You know, that's the talent that they need at wide receiver. So maybe they get a little bit more out of him. But I do think that Doug Peterson, who can who can get this team right, you know, coming off those two bad losses and a disappointing loss at the Colts where they were in that game until the end. I kind of lean Jaguars here. I kind of lean Jaguars. I, I don't want to lean Jaguars. And at three, you would think I would take the Giants. I can't do it yet. I still kind of think this is the Jaguars spot. No play on the total, but I would actually lean to the over a little bit. The Giants are finding ways to score points when it matters in these games. And you know, Jacksonville can score score points if they just stop turning the damn ball over. Two turnovers last week, I think four the week before. Trevor Lawrence coming back at home, better spot for them to do some things. And the Giants' defense is good, but it's not very talented. They're good because they're well-coached. Colts at the Titans. Titans are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Totals at 43 and a half. I just like how the Titans match up against the Colts, especially since Indy is coming off that big revenge win, a high emotional win. Matt Ryan finally played a fantastic game. Now, Jonathan Taylor, Quiddy Payne, Shaq Leonard, all questionable heading into this one. I would think that Jonathan Taylor does play because he almost played last week and then they scratched him. So probably going to play this week. And that's a big ad against the Titans, obviously. But the thing for me is Mike Vrabel, you know, just the intangibles that he brings as a coach, as a coach, he's going to have this team well coached, you know, two weeks off, right off a bye. Um, and even Bud Dupree is questionable. I mean, they're getting healthy on defense. Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, they got some guys that can get to Matt Ryan. And when you get to Matt Ryan, that's how you beat him. You throw him off. You, you make the Colts more inefficient. I liked a lot of things that I saw from the Colts last week but the Titans are going to hang around and they're at home. And this is a line under three strong lean to the Titans here. They just have the Colts number. I will say this last time these two teams faced the total should have went way over. We had over 42 and a half. It hit 41 halfway through the third quarter and it stayed at 41. So I'm still a little, still a little mad about that. I'm not going to fall for that trap again, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one did go over. 
but I kind of I lean under. <laughs> you know, so that's why I'm going to stay off of it. So anyway, all right, let's go Falcons, Bengals. Bengals are six-point favorites at home. Totals of 47 and a half. Stay with me here. I love the Bengals last week. Big spot for the Bengals to get right at Louisiana behind Joe, Joey B, Joey Shiesty from LSU, baby, with Jamar Chase. But this might be another spot to take the Bengals, and here's why. Public perception is all in the Falcons right now, is it not? The Falcons are 6-0 against the spread. They keep covering. They keep winning. How are they doing this? The Falcons, the Falcons. And the Bengals just allowed a ton of rushing yards to the Saints, over 200 yards. Bengals are going back home. It's a good spot to get right with their defense because that's all the Falcons do is run, right? Let's let's correct our wrongs. Let's stifle the Falcons. Their offense starting to come together. Maybe T. Higgins plays this week. There's a chance. Another week to get healthy. Burrow was sacked three times last Sunday, but are we scared about Atlanta? No one team. No one team. No team has a lower sack percentage than the Atlanta Falcons. Only 3% of their defensive plays result in a sack. I think this sets up really well for the Bengals to smash the Falcons and ruin their ATS streak. That's my free play on this show, Bengals minus six. I really like it. A lot of perception, a lot of matchup advantages for the Bengals in this one. Browns at the Ravens. Do the Ravens deserve to be seven-point favorites against anyone anymore? I would argue, nah. It's not a good spot for the Browns either, necessarily, right? They're going to Baltimore off a piss-poor performance. But but the Browns chose not to run in that game. They had under 20 attempts. And, like, you're not going to fool Bill Belichick, right? Like, I guess Bill Belichick's probably game plan was to take away the run, but you – but you granted him that, right? You didn't even try to run. That was a game. It was a close game in the first half, and and the Browns didn't change their game plan. Jacoby Brissett throws an interception on their, I believe, is their first drive right in the beginning of the game. Kind of flipped the script a little bit there, and they still stayed close for most of that game. And then it just kind of ripped apart. You know, mistakes and drives ending. Patriots taking advantage. The Patriots are kind of rolling into you know, developing into a pretty a pretty good team that's figuring themselves out. They have an identity. All right, that's a question to ask yourself about all of these teams at this point in the season. Do they have an identity? If they don't, you might not want to bet on them because they're not going to give you a lot to think about. They're not going to give you a lot of angles to play on. But kind of like the Browns here, though. You know, the Ravens, they covered against the Jets and the Pats, but it feels like the Jets and the Patriots were different teams at those points. Um, This is a divisional game, scrappy divisional game, and you're giving me seven points with the the Browns. That's I think that's way too much. Maybe I'm walking into a trap. I don't see it. Browns are a talented team. They just need need to get their shit together. Bucks at the Panthers. Ugly game. Ugly, ugly game. Ugly game. I don't think I can touch this one, guys. 11-point favorites of the Panthers. I mean, do I have to lean towards the uh, – I'm sorry. The Bucks are 11-point favorites. Do I have to lean towards the Panthers here? Uh, totals 40-and-a-half. I could see not a lot of points in this one. Lord knows the Bucks are struggling to score. Panthers can't score. Both have great defenses. But at the same time, Tom Brady's pissed. Mad. Despite his best efforts, they couldn't complete – 
uh, third downs and fourth downs last week. They couldn't get into the red zone. When they got in the end in the red zone, all they could do is kick field goals. It's ugly. I'm, I'm probably not touching that game. Show us something, Bucks. Time to get right. Packers at Commanders. Weird game. Here goes that five and a half again. The five and a half keeps on amounting to ATS wins. The Giants, the Falcons, and the Broncos this week. Three, three more. These five and five and a half lines are now nine and one against the spread this year. Am I going to blindly follow that? No. But I kind of want to play on the commanders here. They're in a sneaky spot off 10 days of rest, coming off Thursday night football on a win. And here comes Taylor Heineke. Whether Wentz wants to keep playing or not, he can't because he's getting injury on his what finger, something like that. Heineke is he's feisty. He can move around. He's he's a pretty good player. And they're at home, and it's five and a half, right? that weird line. On the other hand, Green Bay has been here before. They had a players' meeting this week to get things corrected. On paper, they're still elite, and that that five and five and a half against the spread trend is probably due to is probably due to end. So I don't know which side I'm going to be on. Probably not going to be on a side. Slight lean to the Packers, even though I want to I want to take the Commanders in this spot. Jets and the Broncos. Jets are uh, one-point underdogs right now. Some books don't have the line out because Russell Wilson is being evaluated. MRI, I think it's hamstring. Uh, something's going on with Russ. But um, could be out. Could be out of this game. And their replacement is Brett Ripien. Uh, okay. Do you, you trust him against this Jets team who is believing in themselves right now? Robert Sala might be finally delivering on his promise to really make them a tough team, a tough defense. Uh, Quinn and Williams and Sauce Garner looked awesome last week. Just pumping the whole team up, making great plays. I don't know if I want to face this Jets team right now. Even at Denver, the Jets believe in themselves, man. And, then, and now they have Brees Hall, which means that Zach Wilson doesn't have to do as much, which is perfect for Zach Wilson because he's not a good decision maker. But, you know, he can get the ball out. He can make – he can make pretty damn good throws when he needs to if, if the offense is simplified. So I just kind of like the formula of the Jets right now. And I don't like the formula of the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, except for those first few drives where they scored 10 points in the first quarter and ruined our total plays in the first half, by the way. Of course, the whole damn game slowed down after that. But I digress. Um, not, not a lot to like about the Broncos. And they, even their defense was just – a little porous last night, letting the Chargers go up and down the field a few times when they needed to. You know, the Chargers, pretty pretty good protection, too. They were really protecting Justin Herbert. Next to the Lions, Herbert's the least sacked quarterback in the league right now, so you got to give them credit there. But Broncos at home, their defense should be better. Kind of like the under in this one. It's a 39 for a reason. Two good defenses, right? But um, lean Jets, even at plus one. Even if Russ plays, of course it was it was at three with Russ playing, but I don't know if I can trust the Broncos. Texans at the Raiders, something to think about. Raiders haven't won a game after a bye week since 2016. I don't know what that's all about. The Texans have won and covered their last two seasons after a bye, and they looked good. I mean, when they went out, not on offense necessarily, although Damian Pierce is starting to come into his own, but they stifled the Jags. They got vastly outgained in that game, but they forced turnovers. They stuffed the Jaguars on fourth downs, on third downs as well. 
Jags couldn't take advantage of opportunities. And that's what the Texans are going to do. They're just going to keep on hanging in games, right? The three and two ATS, or I think they're uh, three, three, one and one ATS. I lean Texans in this seven points. Texans are getting seven points. Why on the road at Vegas after a bye week? Vegas deserves a seven point line. Nah. Fake news there, if you ask me. Chiefs at the 49ers. All right. I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of this game. I'm not going to talk about like a bunch of, uh, you know, data and, and, you know, definitely not going to pull out my damn model on this one. These are the spots where the Niners win and cover. We've seen it, right? We saw it after the Niners looked lifeless against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football. And the next week, they came out and dominated the Rams. Dominated the Rams. Now, are the Chiefs probably a little better than the Rams this year? Yeah, especially at this point in the season. But this is what the Niners do. They're probably going to get healthy. A lot of those defensive players who sat out last week got a little banged up last week are going to are going to come back into this game. Looks like Bosa is probably going to come back too. That's huge for the Niners. And these are the games where Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Canahan, Kyle Shanahan at home whips out it <laughs> whips out all of his creativity in his playbook and they take over. I love the 49ers at plus 3. Love them. This is the, you know, these are the dog days of the Chiefs schedule, ladies and gentlemen. They have a tough schedule. And the Niners have the Bills next week. So it's not like the Niners don't have a look ahead too and a tough schedule spot. But the Niners, after what they showed, I mean, they fell asleep against the Falcons. They just weren't there. You know, they weren't there for most of that game. And they'll do that a few times every season. They just really let you down, right? Um, especially when they're on the on the road for multiple weeks. But this is a spot for the 49ers to really show out. If they lose this game, I think it's going to be really close. So I like the plus three. Seahawks at Chargers, really tough game here for me. I'm just going to comment on one thing about it. Uh, first of all, the Chargers are getting great protection. They're at home. Seattle's not going to have that, you know, 13 or 12th man. I don't know why I said 13. 12th man at home, right? That obviously makes a huge difference. Seahawks played well last week, especially on defense. But Chargers, six and a half. Probably a little too much for me, so I'm not I'm not ready to fire on that bet. But probably going to make a good teaser leg here, and the coach. But I'll say this: the coaching disparity here is huge. I do not trust Brandon Staley. I don't think he's bringing anything to the table for this team. He's a liability if anything else. He he's very sure of himself, despite how poor his performance has been. His defense is still not playing up to par. I mean, I guess they played okay against the Broncos, but it's the Broncos, for God's sake, who, who I mean, Russ isn't all there. The Broncos aren't – they're just not firing on all cylinders, right? Devontae Williams is out for them. And the Chargers still couldn't stop them at, at multiple times in that game. Geno Smith is going to come into this confident. He, he's he's, he's going to try to put up points in the Chargers, and these are the kind of games that the Chargers blow. And the coaching disparity is huge. I mean, Pete Carroll has his guys playing hard. Six and a half, got to lean to the Seahawks. Even though on paper, as usual, Justin Herbert's getting protection, a lot of talent. Keenan Allen should be back for this game. It looks good for the Chargers, but on a short week, mm, don't love it. I don't love it for 
LAC at home. Steelers at the Dolphins. Steelers are seven-point dogs. Totals 45. In that previous game, by the way, totals 51. Kind of like the over in that. Chargers and Seahawks. Uh, Steelers and Dolphins, totals 45. Is this the week that the Dolphins actually score points? Because last week should have been the week. I know it was, uh, you know, Skylar Thompson or whatever the hell his name is. But still, the, the Dolphins put up, what, 450 yards of offense? They almost doubled the total yards of the Vikings. Almost doubled. And still scored, what, 16 points? Come on, man. I had the Dolphins uh, team total over 21 and a half. I had the Dolphins plus three and a half. Killing me. Absolutely killing me. But the Steelers haven't looked good outside of last week. I mean, they looked okay last week. Mitch Trubisky did his Mitch Trubisky thing where he comes in, you know, ice cold and plays really well. It's like, where was that Mitch? You know, if he's a starter, he doesn't play that way. But the Steelers' defense finally stepped up a little bit, stopped the Bucs in, in big situations. But this is another get-right spot for the Dolphins. I don't think they deserve to be seven-point favorites, but I would still lean their direction because if they can put up points, I don't think the Steelers can hang with them in this one. Kind of like the over here, but I obviously I'm a little scared to take the over for obvious reasons. Steelers and Dolphins offenses have vastly, really, really disappointed. Final game, Bears at the Patriots. Patriots are eight and a half point favorites. What a turnaround from the beginning of the year. And total is at 40. I mean, got to lean under a little bit here, right? Because my question is, how the hell are the Bears going to score points in this game? The Patriots defense and Bill Belichick, what he does is he takes away the best part of your offense, right? And the best part of their offense is Justin Fields. Right, he he's at least making things happen. He's making pretty good throws. I was impressed by the throws he was making on Thursday night football. The fact that they lost that game surely wasn't his fault. I mean, he hit the guy on the numbers in that final play of the game. Could have been the winning catch or winning touchdown. Made some big throws down the field when it mattered under pressure. They couldn't convert multiple times in the red zone. I mean, he did throw it right into the offensive lineman's back or helmet to have that interception on that one drive. Which speaks to, you know, we don't talk about size in the NFL. I don't know why we don't. But these small quarterbacks, it's it's not working. You know, like Drew Brees could pull it off. Russell Wilson in his prime could pull it off. Maybe Doug Flutie back in the day, he could pull it off. But these defensive linemen and offensive linemen, half these guys are like 6'7", 6'6", 6'8". Huge. Jumping real high in the air. Like, how are you supposed to see over these guys? It's not a shocker that Baker Mayfield like can't get the ball out, right? Like can't see downfield. No shit, right? Finally doesn't have an offensive line. I know he hasn't, he, you know, I know he's injured right now. But these small quarterbacks aren't thriving as much. And Justin Fields against this defense that's kind of finding its identity, shutting down teams, getting into a groove, making plays when it matters, like, like they did against the Browns, causing turnovers. And Bale, whether it's Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones, who are very, I mean, God, they look alike, they play alike. <laughs> Uh, I liked what I saw from Bailey Zappi. He's a quick decision maker. He can get the ball into some tight windows. He's playing with confidence. I lean Patriots in this one. I really do. I, I don't think the Bears – the Bears might not score. A final score might be 21-0. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all. So lean Patriots in that one as well. All right, going to wrap it up promoting myself. So you can go ahead and click off the podcast if you want. Whatever. But if you're interested in my premium plays, DM me directly. You can find them here at the Oddsbreakers as well. 
Stay tuned for what I'm doing. I got some exciting things coming up for Farley Bets. You can catch me at the 33rd team. I'm going to put out some real interesting articles this week. Catch me on the Monday show over there as well at BetUS NFL TV and NBA TV as well. And at the Hammer Network where I put out some free total plays and um, what are they called? <laughs> Derivative plays every week. I'm tired. I'm losing my voice. I need some water. Thank you so much for listening to this NBA preview and NFL Week 7 ATS breakdown. Until next time, let's fucking go. Let's win some damn money. See you later, guys.